play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, the show where celebrities share stories about the foods they love most, and we dig into the history, culture, and science of those meals with experts from around the world. Today on the program, we're doing something a little bit different. In honor of the release of the new Apple TV show, Lessons in Chemistry, I'm chatting with the show's food consultant, Courtney McBroom. I really feel like lasagna could be its own character in the show. It needs its own credit. Courtney is a chef, cookbook author, and the former culinary director of Milk Bar in New York City. She co-authored many Milk Bar dessert cookbooks with its founder, Christina Tosi, who has also been on this show. And her food writing and recipes have been featured in places like Food & Wine, Vice, GQ, and InStyle. There is quite a bit of food in Lessons in Chemistry, and Courtney had her hands in all of it, deciding which dishes to feature on screen, cooking and styling the food on set, and her hands are literally in the show. We'll talk more about that later. I read Lessons in Chemistry earlier this summer, and it was by far my favorite book I read all year. So I was so thrilled when I was invited to chat with Courtney about the new show when she rolled through Seattle. All right, let's get into it. This is your first time working on a show or a movie, right? Yes. How did you get this cool job? I'm a very lucky girl. I'm good friends with Brie Larson, and she is aware that I'm obsessed with vintage cookbooks. I have a huge collection, and she called me one day. She was like, Courtney, I am doing this TV show set in the 50s. Can I come over and check out your cookbooks? And I was like, yes, of course, anytime, come on over. I didn't hear from her for a few months. I was like, I guess she changed her mind, but she was off shooting a blockbuster film, as she tends to do. She comes back. She calls me. She's like, hey, you know what? I've been thinking. I think you'd actually be the perfect person to work on the show. Does that interest you at all? Is that, do you have like the time? Can you do it? And I was like, yes, clear my schedule. (laughs) Um, I read the book and I was like fully obsessed. I cried. I laughed. And then I met with the producers and we hit it off. And, um, We were off to the races. I was on set the next week. Lessons in Chemistry is set in the early 1950s and centers around a young woman named Elizabeth Zott, played by Brie Larson. Elizabeth is a chemist, and her entire life is consumed by her scientific curiosities. She eats, sleeps, and breathes chemistry. And despite being far more intelligent than most of her male colleagues at the lab where she works, she is disrespected, abused, and often relegated to fetching coffee. Because, of course, she is a woman. The only thing Elizabeth loves as much as chemistry is cooking. Because, of course, cooking is chemistry. Elizabeth Zott is a woman of her time. She's a woman of the 50s. But she's also a woman ahead of her time. And um, we wanted that to be represented in her food and the way it looked and the way it popped off the screen. We wanted everyone to be super hungry when they watched the show. I was watching the first episode and I noticed that she was cutting up Swiss chard or rainbow chard. And then she cut up the stems as well and she used them. And I thought, oh, that feels kind of modern. But then I thought, well, maybe it's not. Maybe that's what people did because they were trying to be more frugal. And how do you decide to put the stems and the leaves in? Because I think Elizabeth 
She's a brilliant person. She's a scientist. She cooks with her head. And she's the type of person who thinks about those things. She does, she has her compost bin. She doesn't love waste. She loves fresh ingredients. She loves making everything from scratch. And it just seemed like a very Elizabeth thing to do. Plus, it's really pretty. It is pretty. Yeah. So what you said is interesting as well, because she is the ultimate feminist. You know, she is a chemist, but she's not taken seriously. This is in the 1950s. She's the only female scientist uh, at the lab where she works. And she has to fight so hard because she's treated terribly. But then her hobby that becomes a job in cooking, that is very 1950s, what is expected of women, get in the kitchen, don't work. So how do you kind of balance those two sides of her? Because she's trying so hard not to fall into those stereotypical roles. It's a really good question. Um, but I think she's, yes, it's cooking, but the guy who like owns the show, the head programmer, um, Rain Wilson's character, he does not like her. He does not like her approach to cooking. He does not like the way that she speaks about it. She doesn't like the way that she wants to dress. And so she, it is like a rebellious act, even though she is cooking, like it's a traditional role of a woman in the fifties. She does it in her own way. And it's still an act of rebellion and it's an act of her standing strong and who she is and not taking no for an answer and doing whatever she wants to do because she knows what's best for her. She knows how she wants to be in the world and she's not going to let anyone tell her not to be that way. <laughs> have you ever used cooking as a form of rebellion? Yeah, I feel like I have. I think that I've definitely taken a, an interesting path. Like I decided a while back that I was like, I don't know that I really want to open a restaurant or be a chef in a restaurant, but how can I make money in the food industry doing something different? So I started Ruin Table, which is the brand that I have when I do like weird themed dinner parties and um, trying to bring people together over food in different ways. And I think that's my kind of my way of rebelling against the food world because there's, you know, the food world has been through a lot of ups and downs lately. Um, so I think it's all about finding your own path. One of the first homemade dishes we see Elizabeth make in the show is lasagna. Can you talk about what the significance of lasagna is in this show? So, yes. And I really feel like lasagna could be its own character in the show. It needs its own credit. It really um, moves the story along. It's a catalyst for Calvin and Elizabeth meeting. And like Calvin takes a bite of her lasagna and he falls in love immediately. Love at first bite. Also... I know that lasagna is also a symbol of Elizabeth's thought. It's so layered, it's so complex. Elizabeth is always trying to make the, her perfect lasagna in the same way that she's always trying to make be perfect herself. And as the show goes on, she learns how to cook with her heart. So you got to design this recipe. What is your lasagna recipe? I tweaked a recipe that I make for myself every year for Thanksgiving. It's a bechamel, but we fold in, I fold in ricotta to it. So it gets really fluffy and nice. And then a classic bolognese sauce with um, ground pork, ground pancetta and ground beef. And um, that's really it. There's, there's a little bit of tomato paste, but it's not a super tomatoey sauce, just Parmesan cheese in the middle. And then we top it with mozzarella and more bechamel. And it's very delicious. There, you can get the recipe. It's online. LessonsInChemistryRecipes.com. We're releasing all of the recipes from the show. Calvin's Christmas Chicken, Peanut Butter Chocolate Brownie, mm -hmm. The Galette, which is in the first, first episode, I believe. I'm trying to remember all of them. There's eight or nine of them. Pido, a biogenesis, because she does a biogenesis. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. Blackberry <laughs> Pie is one. The first time we see the lasagna on screen in Lessons in Chemistry is in a scene where Elizabeth admits that it was her 78th attempt at the recipe. 
How many lasagnas do you think you made for this show? I lost count. If I had to guess, maybe like 50, 50, not quite as many as Elizabeth had to make. So how do you feel about that lasagna at this point? Do you need a little break? Well, at one point I did need a break, but that lasted a very short amount of time. We were making, I was like, I'm hungry. I want lasagna. So it was only like just a few weeks. Lasagna is so good. It's one of my favorites. It is a project though. I mean, I guess it depends how you make it because I do it how you do. I do the bechamel and I do like a three-hour ragu. And if I'm really getting crazy, I do like to make my own pasta. So I think I turn it into a project, which is probably why a lot of people use just ricotta or even cottage cheese. But I'm wondering if there's going to be a surge because of all this show and the social media of people making more lasagna. Yeah, I hope so. That's the idea. Yeah. Everyone makes lasagna for Thanksgiving this year. Lasagna 2024. Yeah. I'd vote for lasagna. So would Garfield. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Garfield. It is scientifically proven that if someone talks about lasagna, I'm going to talk about Garfield. Watching the show and hearing Elizabeth say that she tested her lasagna 78 times was very timely for me. I just finished writing a cookbook and spent the last six months testing recipes. Sometimes while I cooked, I listened to food podcasts. And a few months ago, just by coincidence, a couple of my favorite shows just so happened to have recipe developers on talking about their recipe testing processes. Prolific cookbook author and New York Times recipe developer Melissa Clark said that if she is baking something new, she will test it no less than 20 times before it is good enough to make it into the cookbook. And then on another podcast, I heard chef Ileana Reagan say that it took her about a year to get her donut recipe perfected. And honestly, this freaked me out because I had a fairly short deadline and did not have the time to test recipes that many times. How many times for you to get a recipe right? Like, can you think of like a number of the most tests you've had to do or like the average number you helped write these baking books? The way that I do it is I'll know what I want to make. I'll write the recipe like in my head first. I'll just write it down what I think it's going to be. And then I'll make it exactly as it's written. And then there's always for sure tweaks. But I think at this point, like, I mean, no, I'm not making something 20 times. But at this point, I'm like, I'm pretty close the first time. And then I'll do like maybe like five or six times at most. But like my, I just had a cookbook come out, I guess, two years ago. And like, there's definitely some tweaking, but third time's the charm. Yeah. All right, it's break time. But when we come back, Courtney breaks down what a food consultant actually does all day on set. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Palsbo, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P, or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. 
If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. On top of her food consultant duties, Courtney was also a hand double for Brie Larson. In the scenes where Brie's character Elizabeth is cooking, the close-up shots are actually Courtney's hands. So I was curious what a typical day on set was like for Courtney. On the heavy food days, of which there were several, it would be like a 5 a.m. call time and we'd sometimes be there till like 10 p.m. Obviously with lots of breaks built in, but also because I was the hand double, Luckily, I had a team of amazing people working with me that was they were doing the food styling. Um, so they would be in the kitchen working and I would have to go like put on the Elizabeth Zott wig, put on the costume, get a manicure and do all of that stuff because, you know, my face wouldn't be shown. But in case like the back of my head, even for a split second, I had to look like Elizabeth Zott. Um, so that was a really fun experience, too. And then I would come back. I would like get go check in on the kitchen, see how everything was going, go to set and then um, either be on screen actually cooking or helping get the food out and like being like the last hands on everything. Like I would be going back and forth to Brie or to the director and be like, this is what we're doing and this is how it's going to be shot. Um, it was really fun. I mean, it's kind of a coincidence and lucky that you kind of look similar yeah, <laughs> to it. You both have blonde we hair. Do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. People think we're related all the time. This being a show about cooking and chemistry, it was only appropriate that Courtney shared a fact with me that I will be repeating at many holiday parties this season in order to avoid small talk. So it's so cool. So the chemical name for sodium citrate, which is something that Elizabeth mentions early on when she's talking about her lasagna, it helps cheese melt evenly. But the chemical name for it is nacho. It's N-A-3-C-6-H-5-O-7. It literally spells nacho, N-A-C-H-O. I think it's just a sheer coincidence. I think it's proof that we live in a simulation, actually. Look, nacho. Oh trisodium citrate dihydrate citric acid trisodium salt dihydrate. Spells nacho. And that's what makes cheese melt. And that is chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a couple other TV and movie food consultants on the show in the past, and I love learning the behind the scenes tricks. Like on the show The Good Place, the frozen yogurt that the characters are always eating is actually mashed potatoes. There really weren't any tricks. Like everything that you see on screen is like the real actual food because we wanted it to look authentic and we wanted the actors to like have authentic reactions it was all like made as if we were making it for someone in our homes um the only thing that we would really do would be like if it had been sitting out for a minute you kind of like brush a little oil on it or like spritz it with some water so it glistens but like like the lasagna like that's just like real lasagna or like there's like the roast chicken it's a real roast chicken 
Occasionally, like sometimes with whipped cream, there's like a, um, what's it called? Pastry pride. It's called pastry pride. People use for whipped cream, but it holds up better than if you just like whip heavy cream. So we would use pastry pride from time to time. Um, but yeah, that was, that's really the main trick because I really wanted it to all be very authentic. And I knew that we were going to turn these into actual recipes. Yeah. So it's also like, let's test this as we do it too. What happens to all this food that you're cooking for the scenes? Yeah. So if, it, if, so if it's something that had been sitting out for a minute, we would compost. We were really serious about composting on set. But then everything else, like for every one lasagna you see, there's 20 more in the in the back because you have to have enough for like all of the takes. So we would give it away. We had the most well-fed crew. We'll be back in just a moment with Courtney's last meal and the exclusive club she founded for hot dog enthusiasts. What is the Hot Dog Appreciation Club? Oh, my God. So it was, it was kind of a joke that I started on Instagram. I came home, like, drunk one night. And I was like, I'm going on Instagram. Did a story about how much I love hot dogs. And, like, people were just like, I love hot dogs, too. I love hot dogs, too. And then I was like, I was like, I'm going to start a club. If you appreciate hot dogs, please send me your address, and I will mail you your official Hot Dog Appreciation Club badge. And we are a very large mem- club. I'm the president, CEO, and founder. We take hot dogs very seriously all you have to do is appreciate them to join and you'll get your badge in the mail and that's all you get so no meetings no hot doggery you get zero percent off at any hot dog stand across the nation i did i did make fanny packs that say i'm hot for hot dogs and i used to send those but that got expensive but then i was like i put them on my website for like three thousand (laughs) dollars what would your last meal be okay so my ideal favorite meal in the world I want it to be like a tasting menu and I want like one bite of all of my favorite foods. So I want one bite of lasagna. I want one bite of a crispy ground beef taco, one bite of a queso chip, one bite of the best mashed potatoes and gravy anyone's ever made. I think like a shrimp cocktail would be nice for sure. Like margarita, some really good natural wines. Getting classier as it goes on. Um, (laughs) One bite of the best lobster roll, obviously a hot dog. Yeah. Various hot dogs of different toppings from different parts of the world. I got to do a hot dog tasting. That's its own separate tasting. Oh, yeah. um, a really good pancake would be nice. Just one bite. Just one. My grandma's cinnamon roll. What else? Oh, a cheeseburger, the smash burger. Like, I like the thin patties. Mm-hmm. It seems like it would be hard, though, to take one bite right? And then just stop. Have you ever just no, taken no, no. one bite? It's not just, it's not, I don't get regularly sized of these things. I get mini size, oh. bite size. So I get a taco that's like the size of a tater tot. Okay. Yeah. I think it would be so fun. I think so too. I love that. Um, your crispy taco, is this like a make it at home, like suburban mom taco or is this Taco Bell? Um, it's like make it at home suburban mom. It's a taco that my grandmother used to make that my mom started making. Then she taught my dad how to make. And now my dad makes it for me all the time. And you like you, you, it's like very like, it's like home for me. It's like Texas, like fry it in the pan, ground beef. It's my favorite. Do they use the packet or their own spices? They use the packet. I use spices. I do myself. I upgrade it a little bit. I love how it's like she taught him and he taught her. And it's like we taught them how to open the packet. (laughs) But it's all in the frying. It's all in the frying. That's the tricky part. Because you get so you get like the um, the 
raw corn tortilla or like the unfried corn uh-huh. tortilla. You put the filling in and you like start frying it on one side and then you flip it over uh-huh. and like you don't want it to break. So you have to like get it a little flimsy and then you flip it and you just par fry it in the pan and a little bit of oil and then you flip it over and do the other side. So you're, you're crisping it when the beef is in it. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I don't before. ever buy like the pre-fried tortillas. Okay. Not on my watch. No. Lord, no. God, no. Lord, no. My God. <laughs> I say. <laughs> She's turning back to Texas. <laughs> this is my speed round for you. You said that this all started with Brie asking you to look at your vintage cookbook collection. What is your favorite vintage cookbook? By far, it's not really a cookbook. It's the it's actually a recipe card collection, the Betty Crocker recipe card collection. It's like that pea green plastic case. You open it up and there's all these weird themes and like ways with shrimp and like just like the strangest recipes you'll ever see. A weekend with shrimp. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So does that mean there's no pictures? Because that to me is the whole joy of the vintage. Okay. There's there's a photo on every card and then you flip the card over and there's the recipe. The pictures are the best part. I have a few and everything looks insane and hideous and overly decorated and gross and like gelatinous and I love it. Um, You got to get the Betty Crocker recipe card. What is your favorite, besides lessons in chemistry, your favorite either food themed movie or show or like a scene in a show that is food related? Well, I'm a Texas girl, king of the hill. Peggy Hill, her cooking cracks me up. She does Peggy and meatballs. <laughs> I love food and, and TV shows. But also I think the movie that like really got me was Chocolat when that came out. Mm. There's the scenes when she's cooking. I was like, oh, I definitely, definitely want to be a chef. Like this is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So good. Elizabeth Zott likes to wear a lab coat when she's cooking because for her, this is a science experience. What do you like to wear in the kitchen? I just wear like a really cheap apron. Like it's not even like that fancy, like this, like the flimsy apron. I just put it on and get to work. What did you get to eat on set while you were busy cooking all of this food? You know what? It was so cool because I, again, I never worked on a set before in this way. And so we had craft services and like full catering. And I was like, this is so nice because you don't get that in kitchens and restaurants. You're making family meal, you know? So that was a real treat. And just being able to go down and like get snacks and like, it was great to not have to worry about feeding yourself. It was handled. And that was our very special Lessons in Chemistry episode. The show is streaming right now on Apple TV, and you can get the recipes for the dishes featured in the show at LessonsInChemistryRecipes.com. All created by Chef Courtney McBroom. I did want to ask you about your cookbook because it is very interesting, and I don't understand anything about it. I need you to explain. (laughs) It's called Divine Your Dinner, a cookbook for using tarot as your guide to magical meals. Tell me everything. Very cool. Are you into tarot at all? In high school, I was. I still have a couple decks, but I just don't really do it anymore. It's so fun. So basically, it works out the philosophy that everything you eat has energies, folk magic type stuff. What were people doing in like the 1500s, the 1600s? Like hang garlic above your door because it repels negative energy, like that type of stuff. I co-wrote it with a friend of mine. She's a tarot reader, and she and I paired a recipe for each card of the tarot deck using ingredients that kind of historically embody the energies of the cards. 
For the fool, we did a bergamot rice because bergamot is classic like fool energy. Like the image of the fool, he's like stepping off a cliff. It's like the beginning of something new and an adventure. And, it's, and so bergamot classically encompasses that energy. And so we just went through each card and came up with like the, the best ingredients to use. And so when people get the cookbook, they can either take a deck and like pull cards and make whatever recipe that is, or they can pick which recipe they want. Like, oh, this must be kind of like what I need in my life because this is the energy I'm be pulling in because I'm craving it. Bergamot is a kind of citrus, right? Yeah, it's kind of like, it's what's an Earl Grey tea that gives it that classic Earl Grey. It's kind of like an orange. You can find a link to Courtney's tarot cookbook, the show recipes, and the show in the podcast show notes. Wow. How many times can one person say show? Your Lesbio was created, hosted, and produced by me with production and mastering assistance from Isaac Kaplan-Wolner. Your Lesbio is a product of Cascade Public Media in Seattle, original theme music by Prom Queen. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter, rachelbell.substack.com, and follow along on Instagram. Hello, Rachel Bell. I am Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. Hello, it's morning. Do I know how to talk yet? Me, 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 me. Oh, my God. (sighs) Milk bar in New York City. (laughs) New York City, get a rope.